everyone, it's Gloria, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 1 of Misf Independent. Today, I am here with Michael Kim, who is the founder of Life Planting, a personal finance coaching service. We will be chatting about common mistakes that new investors make. We'll go over different investing strategies, Michael's experience with personal finance, how to make investing work for you, and so much more. Hope you enjoy! I am here today with Michael Kim, one of my first internet Instagram friends. He is a finance coach. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Hey, Gloria. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, so I am a personal finance coach at Life Planting. Uh, That's my side hustle. And I still work like a regular nine to five. And... Yeah, I went to Western University. I went to the Ivy Business School, studied accounting and finance, and here I am today. Nice. What is your relationship with money? Yeah, so my relationship with money was kind of a little rocky, especially in the beginning. Uh, I grew up with a lot of financial difficulties with my family. And I think the reason why we had a lot of financial difficulties was because no one was talking about money. So there came to a point where my parents were talking about money. They weren't telling the kids anything about the money. And eventually we almost lost the house that we were living under. Oh my gosh. So that was like extremely, extremely stressful when I was younger. And the worst part was, was that I would ask my parents, so like, what's happening? And they're like, that's none of your business. Like you shouldn't be asking about any money problems. Yeah. How old were you when you were asking though? I was maybe like 12. 14. But I personally think that kids should be integrated like slowly about money. You should be able to talk about money, at least like from a simple point of view so that when you're older, you're not totally like, oh, I have no idea how to manage money or do anything with it. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. So that was like really stressful for me uh, younger. And I made a promise to myself that I was like, I will never be in this financial situation ever again in, in the future. So that's why growing up, even though I was like a super artsy kid, I loved music, I loved digital art, I loved drawing and painting, and I thought that's what I would do in my career. But I was just like, oh my gosh, I have all of this anxiety about money and I don't know how to manage it. So that's the reason why I went to business school. So I went to one of the most expensive business schools because, yeah, <laughs> okay, got to get like a good job and got to like learn about money. So just went to the most expensive school at Western University at the Ivy Business School. And it was pretty great. I was able to pick specific courses related to personal finance, like portfolio management, uh, wealth management, and I'm going to be pursuing my CPA. So I took all of the uh, accounting courses as well, like taxes and financial reporting. So once I graduated, I actually developed really good money management skills. Like I knew how to invest my money. I knew how to budget properly. And that that was really amazing. Nice. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I, I looked around, I saw my friends who didn't go to business school and didn't take those like personal finance courses that I took. And they were just really struggling. I had a friend who did nursing and she had all these student loans and she's just like, oh my gosh, like I'm so stressed. And I just had other friends and family members who were were not able to achieve their financial goals because they didn't have the good money habits built. So then that's the reason why I started the coaching business. I started life planting to help my friends first just 
learn how to manage their money so that they can actually achieve the financial goals that they want in the future. And that was the start of my side business, Life Planting. That's awesome. So that brings us to today's topic, which is common investing mistakes that new investors make. Can you tell me what the different types of investing strategies are at a very high level and then speak on your investing strategy personally? Sure. So when it comes to an investing strategy, just to simplify things, let's just talk about two main investing strategies. There's the passive investing strategy as well as the active investing strategy. So I'll break down the two and then I'll tell you about what my investing strategy is. So passive investing is when investors, they invest into, let's say, the whole market. So as you said, like ETFs stand for exchange traded funds is like investing in the whole Canadian market, for example, or ETFs attract the US market, which is the whole US market. The goal of passive investing is that you want to just match the market. If the market does well, that's good. If the market does bad, you don't care because you just want to match the market. But in the long run, you know that the market increases over time, over the long run. So there's approximately 7 to 8% annual rate of return that you can get from passive investing if you were to invest all of your money in, let's say, stocks. This is just a very general benchmark. The second type of investing strategy is the active investing strategy. So this is probably the investing strategy that you see on TV when people like are like throwing money in the air and there's like big trades and all of that. So that is an active investing strategy where you are picking specific stocks or specific companies that you think are going to do well. You're picking them, you're trying to buy them at a low point, and then you want to sell them at a high point before they go back down. Buy low, sell high. Yeah, buy low, sell high, exactly. So that is what the active investor tries to do, and they want to beat the market. So they want to get better than the 7 to 8% annual rate of return by investing in specific companies that they think will outperform the market. Uh, The key thing to note is that passive and active investing is you don't have to be a 100% passive investor or a 100% active investor. It's kind of like a spectrum. You can be like kind of a hybrid of the two types of strategies, and you have to pick whichever strategy works best for you. So for me, my investing strategy is a passive investing strategy. So I am 100%, I would say, a passive investor. So I invest only in ETFs. And I just want to match the market. So how do you pick what ETFs? Do you use a robo-advisor or do you pick your own? I pick my own ETFs. I I invest through Questrade because it's just the lowest fees. And you can also, Questrade is a lot better for doing US investments as well. Uh, Just with the conversion rates and all of that. I would say that there's like two main reasons why I have a passive investing strategy. The first reason why is because there's the least amount of room for error. Let's say if I want to buy a house in 10 years, I need to save, let's say, $100,000, right? Mm-hmm. That's like $10,000 per year. So if I were to invest my money in passive investments, I can actually assume a rate of return of, let's say, for example, 7%. And that way, I, can, I don't have to save $10,000 in cash every single year because I can rely on compound interest and the growth of my money. So I only have to, let's say save $9,000 per year. And by following the strategy, I can save less and just rely on investing to achieve the goals that I want in the future. 
And if I were to do, let's say, an active investing strategy, there's a lot of room for error. Like if one company goes bankrupt and I lose like half of my money, then that means I won't be able to achieve my goals in 10 years. I won't be able to buy that house. So that's the first reason. The second reason is that it's the best use of my time. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know that a lot of people have active investing as a hobby and that's why they do it. Yeah. So what I mean by this is that you want, your time is very valuable, right? If you think about it, like you can always make more money, but you can never get more time. Mm -hmm. Your time is the most constrained resource because if you run out of time, aka you die, then (laughs) right? (laughs) It just got a little dark, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So there's two choices that you can do with your limited amount of time to make more money. You can either do, let's say, active investing, or you can start a business. In my case, I decided to start a business because with active investing, you have to keep in mind that if you want to do active investing, it's going to take a lot more time. You have to do a lot of market analysis. You have to do a lot of research of the company, do like financial ratios, all of that. And at the end of the day, you are gambling. You're gambling to see if this company will do well and beat the market. And there are very smart people who do active investing. And at the end of the day, after all of that market analysis, they still lose money. Yeah. And I didn't want to take that gamble. Like I could do that financial analysis, but I don't want to. Instead, I would rather bet my money and bet my time on something that I created, something that I believe that will work better. So that's why I spend all of my time instead of doing active investing, I spend it to build and grow my business. And that way I can build more money. Nice. Yeah. No, that's a good way to think about it. I don't think I've ever really thought about it that way because I'm just like, how can I make the most amount of money with the least amount of time? And it's a lot of time that you put in a business, you know, and I feel like I would spend less time picking stocks. Like I do spend less time picking stocks. Yeah. And that's kind of the trade off, right? Because I feel like with your business, you put like a lot of yourself into it. Yeah, I I totally agree. Like, I trust myself. And I trust my skills and my ability to make money, rather than some random company or some random stranger that I don't even know. Yeah, like I'd I'd rather bet on myself rather than some stranger. Right, right. But then there are strangers who are doing really great things, like all the genomics (laughs) that are happening. That's crazy stuff that I would never be able to do. And I'm just like, yes, let me purchase some of your stocks. (laughs) Yeah, let me write on that. Exactly. (laughs) How long have you been investing? I haven't been doing DIY investing for that long, maybe two years, I would say. But I remember I my first involvement with investing was that grade 12 of high school. I went to the bank with my mom and my mom doesn't know anything about personal finance or investing. And we went to meet with a financial advisor and I was like, okay, I, w- I have this like $5,000 that I want to put into long-term investments. Like for the long-term, I'm not going to use it for a very long time. What should I put it in? Because I, I knew nothing about investing. And the financial advisor was like, okay, just put it in GICs, lock it in for like five years at like 1% or like one. They played you. Yeah, they played me. And I asked the financial advisor, I was like, is this a good idea? Like, is this a good choice? And she's like, yes, just trust me. I was like, oh, okay, I trust you. Like, you're my financial advisor. Then I walked away from the, the bank with my mom and I was like, so was that a good deal? 
And my mom was like, I have no clue. Like, I have no idea if that was a good deal. And that was like the breaking point where I was like, oh my gosh, like my mom is not good with her personal finances and people not good with their personal finances have financial issues in the future. Mm -hmm. And that was like the breaking point where I was like, oh my gosh, I need to learn about my personal finances. I need to study this. And that's part of the reason why I went to university to study. (laughs) Yeah, true. So this is interesting to me because our parents' generation didn't really need that much financial literacy to be able to buy a house. But for millennials and like Gen Z, it's a struggle. We can't afford houses in the GTA. Like it's just not a thing. Yeah, unless you want to like travel all the way up north or like live in like, I don't know, Aurelia or something like that, then maybe you have a chance. But yeah, if you want to live in Toronto, you need to maximize the little amount of money that you make. What are some of the investing pitfalls that new investors make? Let's get into the juicy stuff. I would say that there are four mistakes that new investors make. The first mistake is not investing for a purpose. People tend to forget, and this is probably due to like bad marketing and our social media world, is that people forget the reason why you invest. We watch all of these movies that's like, oh, you invest to like, you know, support this company or you invest to like make huge amounts of money. That's not the truth and the reason why you invest. Ultimately, the goal with investing is to achieve your financial goals. You want to be able to buy that house in 10 years, or you want to be able to retire at, let's say, like 40 or 50. That is the reason why you want to invest. And what sort of investments that you choose and the way that you invest is going to reflect on how you can achieve those goals that you want. So people tend to invest without even thinking about their financial goals. I, people are like always asking, what should I invest in? And that is the first question that they have when the real first question should be, okay, what do I want in my life? What financial goals am I trying to achieve in, let's say, 10 years or in 20 years? And by answering that question, you will eventually get to know what to actually invest in. Because let's say to buy this house in 10 years, you need, let's say, a rate of return of, let's say, 7%. Well, if you need a rate of return of 7%, now you know exactly what to invest in. You want to choose investments that will get you that 7 rate of percent, rate of return every single year. And ultimately, by doing that, you will be able to achieve your goals. So that, that is the main reason why we want to invest. So investing for a purpose or not investing for a purpose is a mistake that a lot of new investors make. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because my own perspective is you invest to guess a support companies that you think will go further in the future and you want to put your money where your mouth is type of thing. But also, yes, to achieve your financial goals, see just to ultimately make money. Yes, I think it's really important to identify why you want to make that money. And then that would guide your investing decisions. Although there's one thing that I do want to point out that, you know, that seven to 8% return that people always talk about, that's like the average of the market over the history of the market, though. If you have a really bad year, like 2008, for example, then that will like mess up your percentages. You never know what's going to happen, right? Because with investing, there's always that level of risk. Exactly. This is just the average out of the whole time. So it's important to not 
take these assumptions as concrete numbers, right? These are, it's mm-hmm. totally possible for you to get negative returns one year. And it's possible for you to get, let's say, like 20% returns in one year. But the mm-hmm. 7 and 8% rate of return is just an average and a benchmark. And it's important to remember that these are estimations that we're talking about. Yeah. The second mistake that new investors make is to not have a strategy when it comes to investing. So a lot of people just like, you know, just pick random stocks, right? They're like, oh, this, I don't know, Microsoft or this like Air Canada, these cool stocks. Yeah. People up on stock talk are like, yeah, invest in this and this penny stock. And I'm just like, ooh, like that's risky. Why is this video viral? Yeah, like I just read things on like Reddit and Facebook group and what people are talking about. It's like, buy this and buy that. And it's like, I'm just like shaking my head, but like there's too many of those that I can't even respond. (laughs) But the thing is, when it comes to investing, you want to go in with a clear strategy in mind so that if anything happens, then you know exactly what to do. For example, if you're investing, what are you going to do if a recession occurs? How are you going to react? Are you going to like pull all your money out and, you know, take all your investments out, which I highly don't recommend? Or are you going to stick to a strategy that you have already decided to stick to? Another example is what are you going to do as you get closer to your financial goals? So uh, I guess a story that I have is that one of my cousins, he was planning to buy a house in Toronto. And this was just before like the COVID crash, before the market crashed during COVID. And he had a lot of money in the stock market. And he was really lucky to take out his money just like maybe like a few weeks before or like a month before the COVID crash. And he used that money to purchase his house. But if you waited just like a month later, because all of his investments were in like high risk stocks, then he wouldn't be able to buy his house. He would have to wait like another maybe a year or maybe, yeah, I guess a year since the market recovered so quickly, but he would have to wait a year in order to buy that house that he wanted. So it's a key thing to consider when you need a strategy that is based on your financial goals so that if anything happens, anything changes, you know exactly what to do. Yeah. And one thing that I'd like to add on that is that if you do pick um, speculative stocks, I think it's a good idea to set an amount that you want to increase, like you want to see gains and then just sell it because you don't know what's going to happen after that. Awesome. So I, I would say the third mistake that new investors make is investing without a foundation. So they don't even know what investing is, or they don't know what a TFSA or an RSP is. And they're just taking random advice from people and they're just investing their money. I, actually, a few days ago, my, one of my good high school friends, he, he messaged me. He's like, oh, have you heard of Bitcoin? <laughs> and I'm like, have I heard of it? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. And he's like, yeah, I just invested a lot of my money in it. And I'm like. Hmm, okay. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, for, first of all, do you know what it is? And he's like, no, not really, but I heard it was really good. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. <laughs> That's really interesting because it's kind of like, how do you even invest without knowing what it is? That bamboozles me. Yeah. So the thing is, people, when you go into investing, you need to at least have a foundational knowledge of what you're doing. 
you if you're if you don't know how something works like stock options or you know bitcoin or cryptocurrencies if you don't know what it is then you probably shouldn't be investing in it you should only be investing in things that you know and that you actually believe in and you actually know that it will perform in the future so i think it's so important to do your own research do online courses that will teach you about how to invest your money or how to learn about your personal finances so that when you go into investing then you actually know what is going on and i would say this is even the case if you decide to invest through a financial advisor so a lot of people hate on financial advisors but i think if you want like a very hands off approach to investing like you don't want to manage your money and there are people like that which is totally fine then having a foundational knowledge of at least knowing what a TFSA is or knowing what a RSP is is to- is like really good because now you're not just like blindly giving your money to your financial advisor now you know what the financial advisor should be doing and you know which questions to ask so that's the important part of actually having a foundation whether you want to do investing DIY or through a financial advisor Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I think that now, especially there's just a wealth of knowledge on the internet. There's so many YouTube videos, podcasts, blogs that are catered to Canadians specifically, and especially like young Canadians. There's so many different niches. I feel like it's so easy to find information nowadays that like it's not an excuse to not have a good foundation before you invest. There's one more mistake that you investors make. And this last mistake is thinking that investing will solve all of your problems. What it hasn't solved all your problems? It solved all mine. <laughs> so, if you think about it, investing is not that effective when you don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, let's say you're investing $10,000 and let's say you're like an amazing investor. Let's say you're like the next Warren Buffett and you can like get an rate of return of like 50% every single year consistently. Well, if you have $10,000 that's only $5,000. Right? Your $5,000 is at the end of the day in the long term not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right? This $5,000 you can probably spend on like a vacation and then that's your $5,000 is gone. So, that's the reason why I don't want to spend a lot of time thinking and a lot of my time on investing because I'd rather use the rest of my time to focus on another part of my life which is to make more money through my business. So in the future, let's say now I've built my business, I've made a lot of money and now I can invest $100,000 into the stock market. Well, 50% of $100,000 is $50,000. Now, $50,000, that's real money. That's a lot of money and that is why it's so effective once you have more money. and then start to really invest your money. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why for for beginner investors they think that oh investing will solve all my problems. I'll be able to achieve all my goals and you know just make tons of money. That's often not the case especially when you don't have a lot of money. So keep in mind that investing is great. Yes, you should 100% be investing your money, but there are other ways to achieve your goals in a faster amount of time and other ways to accelerate and achieve the goals that you want in the future. Mhm. And yeah, so that's the thing about compound interest. So it's always building up on top of the money that you're already investing. So that's why it's 
good to do that, have a consistent strategy. So just taking it a little bit back to the investing to get what you want, how do people go about determining what it is that they really want? You know, because I think the first thing that people think about is like, I just want to make more money or like, I want to retire now. So how do people kind of go dive deeper and get a little bit more specific on what they actually want? Yeah, so I would say that there's two things for this. The first thing is to figure out what what you value. So there are a lot of times and a lot of society pressures that is like you have to buy a house and you need to be how to have a house in order to be successful. I had this mentality too. Like I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to buy a house in five years and get this big mortgage so that I can be considered successful. But in actuality, my values is that I want financial freedom. I want to be able to travel the world and not have to worry about a house that I don't even live in. (laughs) So that's the reason why I was like, oh, like, why do I want this house? And I wanted this house because my parents wanted me to have this house. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to follow that. I'm going to live a life that I actually want. So now I have financial goals that are based on my values and what I want to achieve. So the first thing to figuring out what you really want is to figure out what values, what do you value? What do you want in life? And base your financial goals on those values. The second thing is to, is very simple, is to have SMART goals. So they stand for, it's like an acronym. It's like specific, measurable, et cetera, attainable, timely. So pretty much you want to figure out when you want to achieve your goals, as well as how much you'll need in order to achieve that goal. So for example, if you're, let's say you want to buy a house. Well, you need to be specific. Where do you want to buy a house? Is it in downtown Toronto? Or is it going to be, let's say, in Windsor, Ontario? Like that's going to be very two different goals. Another thing that you have to ask yourself is how much do you need a $100,000 down payment or a $20,000 down payment? Mm -hmm. Third question, which is extremely important, especially when it comes to investing, is when do you want to achieve that goal? Is it going to be in five years or is it going to be in 10 years? Because the amount of time that it takes to achieve your goals is really going to influence what you decide to invest in. Mm -hmm. So those are the two things, values and smart goals. Nice. Love it. So that brings us to the end of our show. Mike, thanks so much for joining me today. If people want to find you on the internet, where are they able to find you? The place that I'm most active on is my Instagrams. Uh, I have a website, www.lifeplanting.com. And I also have a free PDF for all of your listeners to learn the basics about investing. To get this PDF, you can go to lifeplanting.com forward slash freebie dash podcast. Awesome. I will link all of your links in the show notes. As the aspiring misfit independent, this is Gloria signing out. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you're using Apple Pods, please toss me five stars. It would help me so, so much. So see you next time. Until then, stay healthy and grow wealthy.